0: From the land of the midnight sun, welcome back to Prepper Dave's On the Road to Dystopia, your alternative news podcast. I'm your host, Prepper Dave. When diversity trumps merit. Do you ever feel like a Jew in 1930s Germany? Does it feel like we're living in a reversed apartheid where diversity, equity, and inclusion only includes the minority and not the majority? If you're an unvaxxed, straight, white, pro-Constitution, Christian male, and now female in America, you may very well feel persecuted. Why do you feel that way? Well, you feel that way because you are being persecuted and no one is standing up for you as an individual or group, especially others in your group. So what really happens when the majority becomes the target of the minority? Could you go to prison? Could you be canceled? Could you be fired from your job? Or could you even be killed because of it? The answer to all of those questions is yes. So why don't people believe this is happening? Why? Because the mainstream media is telling them otherwise, the MSM is telling them that you are the one responsible for all of the ills of the world, and if you don't repent now and conform 100% to their cult, then you should not be allowed to live in this world or be allowed the human rights as enumerated in the Constitution of the United States of America make no mistake there is a war on today between good and evil and frankly it looks like evil is winning but we can win we can win by not letting the powers that pit us against one another by pitting us by race by religion, by sexual orientation, etc. Instead, we need to come together and ditch the groups that divide us. Like the social justice warriors that belong to the BLM Antifa, the trans the militant trans movement. The members of these groups and others listening to this show need to stand up right now against the narrative of today. Stand up for true inclusion. Stand up against those making you a slave on the plantation. Don't allow them to continue making you a tool to be weaponized against their enemies. Not your enemies, but their enemies. I believe that folks like MLK, Martin Luther King, a man, a preacher that preached, you should not be judged by the color of your skin, but by the content of your character. Let me add merit. I believe this will live forever. But this won't be true if we allow this division to continue. Those that want to control us are intentionally dividing us so they can tighten the grip around all of our throats. So who's actually pulling the strings? Who or what is behind these actions and why? The media and your so-called elected representatives are beholden to those that control the money. The true power brokers of the world. They know if you really understood that we, all of us, we the people, really hold the power. And if we all truly exercised that power, they would fail to exist. They would fall and mankind would move forward as the creator intended. What can we do to stop it? Well, for starters, everyone needs to unplug. You need to unplug, especially from the mainstream media. We need to reframe the conversation, and we need to move to freedom states, freedom cities, and freedom towns. We need to get involved and go local go green out not red out start in a friendly territory and work out from there don't jump right into enemy territory especially by yourself and then expect someone to jump in and save you start at home prepare your family Then prepare your friends and neighbors, then your community, and go on from there. Only by allowing them to keep dividing us all will we fail to let true evil prevail. We have a lot to cover, folks. So buckle up, grab a drink, and let's dive right in. But before we get started, remember that all the stories discussed here, here will be available in the link below. We're going to start off with a few of these organizations that you're familiar with. Council on Foreign Relations, Diplomacy, and the Fight for Race Equality, a fireside chat with U.S. Special Representative Desiree Cormier-Smith from the Council on Foreign Relations. While preparing to moderate a fireside chat at NYU Law School <clears throat> with the U.S. Special Representative for Racial Equality and Justice, Desiree Smith, the author, noticed she is fond of repeating in one of President Biden's lines. Not just his, but... We will lead not merely by example of our power, but by the power of our example. It's a phrase that has deep roots in several and many activist movements. Don't forget, this is the State Department we're talking about here, and the State Department has, over time, well, it's created new ways of thinking about diplomacy. Now, it started out, With a focus on framing for national security. Sounds reasonable, right? National security, foreign relations. But then it got into other, little bit different kinds of topics. Such as human rights and nuclear. Okay, so it's a little bit of both. Right in the middle. Then it went to thematic concerns over cyber. But now, it seems that much of that has been forgotten. For what? Women's rights. Racial equality. And war crimes. And I assume what they're talking about is um, Vladimir Putin when they're talking about war crimes. And anybody else that the United States or NATO doesn't approve of. As the first person to hold the newly established special representative position in the State Department, Desiree Smith holds a portfolio that embodies the current U.S. foreign policy. Because this is what we're putting out to the world. This is our representative. In her own words, her role so she's just she's trying to identify what her role is her role is to ensure that u.s foreign policy advances the human rights of members of not everyone definitely not everyone of marginalized racial ethnic and indigenous communities if you don't belong to one of those then you are one of the ills that our government is working to counter, such as you are a perpetrator of systemic racism and discrimination and xenophobia. So it's either you're a protected group in her mind, or what it appears to be in her mind, or you are a perpetrator of systemic racism, discrimination, and xenophobia. Not just here in the United States, but globally. She states, she states here that there is not a single issue today, not a single issue today, that does not hurt racial or ethnic minorities disproportionately. That's a pretty declarative statement. Especially when you think of, um, well, let's just make a comparison. We'll, We'll make an extreme comparison, but a comparison nonetheless. You have Oprah Winfrey on one side and you have a poor trailer tra- trailer park white male in West Virginia on the other side. No matter what policies are conducted or passed by the elite, who will be hurt more? This wealthy black female Oprah Winfrey or the poor and I'm going to say marginalized white male in a trailer park in West Virginia. You answer it. He goes on further to discuss, uh, discuss that this position was born out of the racial reckoning. Racial reckoning. Man, does she seem a little bit on the... um. Well, discriminatory side, bigoted side, hatred side of anybody that does not see things their way. This position was born out of the racial reckoning following George Floyd, as well as the product of decades of activism. Do you not see? This is coming from the Council on Foreign Relations, folks. You can read the article below. Or click on the click on the link below to see the article and then read it. It joins the ranks of several other issue-oriented special representatives established in the State Department in recent years, including the Ambassador for Global Women's Issues and the Special Envoy to Advance the Human Rights of. L, and I'm going to get this wrong, and I'm sorry, LGBTQ, uh, XY, um, I XYZ plus people. Something like that. Miss Smith, and I hope I'm not misgendering, has emphasized the importance of structural changes throughout the State Department. And the state of racism and marginalization in the United States certainly complicates her role. While there is not a domestic component to her position, she has no real counterpart or component to her position because hers is international, not national. This is the State Department. shouldn't have anything to do with internal. Ms. Smith says she remains briefed on the United States' domestic policies and efforts to combat, well, at least she's broken it down to one thing, racism, to help defend her work from cynical attacks. In other words, anybody who opposes her will be immediately accused of what we know is not true and that does not exist systemic racism that is a social construct that was developed for this purpose. Discrimination or Xenophobia. So if you go against her, that's what you're going to be accused of. She also works extensively in her interagency level, particularly with her fellow special envoys, whose issues such as advancing human rights of the LGBTQI plus persons. Now, you would think that she's extending it past race. But nope, it's not extended to those folks unless they're linked to ethnic or racial identity. So it sounds like if you're white or Asian and you belong to the LGBTQI plus persons, don't look for her because she's not there for you. And the work is deeply tied to the efforts undertaken in the Biden administration. Now, we all, we all know Joe Biden probably has no idea where he is, let alone what's happening in his name. These are the people behind the power. The people with the real power. That was from the Council on Foreign Relations. Now, from the United Nations. Gender equality, the unfinished business of our time. Women and girls represent half of the world's population and therefore also half of its potential. Okay. Don't disagree there. Unfortunately, there is still a long way to go to achieve full equality of rights and opportunities between men and women Warned to the UN Women. Well, it sounds like they already kind of starting out here with um, an anti-male bias. The UN Secretary General has stated that achieving gender equality and empowering women. So, gender equality, to me, would seem to indicate both genders. Women and women. Not just empowering women, but and, and girls but making sure that men and boys are not left out especially small boys which are left out a lot of the time and I guess he goes on to talk about how this is unfinished business of our time and the greatest human right challenge in our world Yeah, I'm not so sure that it's the greatest human rights challenge. It is a large one, I would say. In many countries, I'll be honest with you, I'm not completely opposed to equality of gender, period. Men and women. And there are definitely, definitely countries that women are subjugated. That needs to change. So I don't disagree. Within the UN's first year, the Economic and Social Council established its Commission on Status of Women as the principal global policy-making body dedicated exclusively to gender equality. So if it's a Commission on Status of Women, why, why do we say gender equality? Why don't we just say women's power or something like that, which would be much more fitting? Among its earliest accomplishments was ensuring gender-neutral language in the draft Universal Declaration of Human Rights so we went back to the language thing again way back then neutral language no word in other words you cannot say probably mankind I guess you'd have to say person kind or whatever. As the international feminist movement began to gain momentum during the 1970s, the General in the United States anyway, I don't know about it overseas, but the General Assembly declared 1975 as International Women's Year. Hey, when's the Men's Year? I don't know. And organized the first World Conference on Women, Women Only. At the urging of the conference, it subsequently declared the years of 1976 through 1985 as the UN's Decade for Women. So they get a year, they get a decade, which is fine, as long as there was equality, and then you have the same for men. In 1985, the world, you know... Men don't really complain about these things, including myself. I don't, I'm just pointing out something here. I don't care personally, but I care in the fact that don't keep using this about gender equality when it's not. In 1985, the World Conference, to review and appraise the achievements of the United Nations Decade for Women, the event was described by many as the birth of global feminism. The birth of global feminism. How has that worked out for many women who like to have a, a healthy work-life balance in their life? You know, I mean, how does that work out well for them? This is where it began. And women were told, if you stay home, if you take on a traditional role, you mean nothing. Because you don't do anything to forward our cause. So, if you had traditional views, if you were a woman, you did not matter. And nor do you matter today to these people. (sighs) On the 2nd of July in 2010, though, the United Nations General Assembly unanimously voted to create a single UN body tasked with accelerating the progress, apparently they must have been falling behind, in achieving gender equality, they use it again, but really, it's women's empowerment and women's superiority. In some cases, the United Nations is now facing its global development work on the recently. Now, you guys, have, if you if you're listening to this, you you know about this, so it's not gonna. Be a big surprise. United Nations is now focusing its global development work on the recently developed 17 Sustainable Development Goals, the SDGs. Agenda 2030, folks. Women have a critical role to play in all all of the sustainable development goals as identified by the United Nations which we know the devil is in the details and what it really means is collapsing the economically viable and successful economies by forced migration forced integration Forced regionization leading to all regions reporting to one centralized body, one world centralized body. And they're saying, Hey <laughs> hey women, you get you are a part of this and you're going to help us create a one world government now again gender inclusive language uses guidelines including recommendations and materials created to help well it's not just the united nations staff but specifically they say united nations staff to use gender inclusive language in any type of communication any type of communication and i wonder if this is monitored Oral or written, okay. Formal or informal. I wonder if it's work or non-work. Social media or private emails. Hmm. This is something to be used as a starting point for everyone, it says. Or anyone. Okay. Okay. I guess there's no narrative there. I am all for strong, successful women. I want nothing more for my daughter than to be happy. I want her to be strong mentally, physically, emotionally, but however she chooses. To lead her life, traditional or not, she shouldn't nor should her brothers feel that they are superior to one another hmm. that's my thought whether it's my niece or my granddaughter or my own daughter I want everyone to have opportunity, but not necessarily a guaranteed outcome. Now, obviously, with my own family, I would prefer them to have a successful outcome, but not everyone in life will. So we're going to go on here to the next article from the World Economic Forum. Yes, our buddy over here, Klaus Schwab. A wide gender gap exists at central banks, according to an IMF survey. Okay? Less than half of workers employed in the advanced economy, central banks are women. Okay? But on average, only a third of women are economists or managers. According to an IMF survey, instead, women occupy 80% of administrative and HR roles. I guess they're saying that we need more men in those roles. No, that's not what they're saying. <laughs> Which shows that occupational segregation is quite pervasive. What they're saying is they want more women in economists and manager roles and uh, continue to have women in the HR and administrative roles. This is my interpretation. This is the first survey of its kind that we know of. you have any idea who was participating in this survey? What countries? I don't know. Do you? With studies having so far focused on academia and the private and public sectors, more broadly. Hmm. Sounds a little bit like the public-private partnerships and our education systems, our universities. Yeah, you know, how else is Klaus Schwab going to get into the cabinets of the world? How else is he going to change the minds of young children except for through education, whether it's at the university level or primary and secondary school levels? government schools, and now private schools. National Central Banks and I'm very sorry for that. National Central Banks and the group of 7G7 participated as well as European Central Bank. The topics covered include diversity policies, Employment practices, earnings, leave and work arrangements, and child care and other benefits. Central banks have room for improvement in some aspects of gender equality. On average, central banks score highly on diversity policies, such as hiring targets or mentoring programs and guaranteed interview schemes. However, these are rarely enforced by law, okay? So, they got what they want, and now they're complaining that they're not being forced by law. Or enforced. Because, I guess, where central banks lag is the type of employment offered and the pay. 65% of the overall number of employees on part-time contracts are women. I guess they didn't consider that maybe... Just maybe some or all of these women wanted a more work-life balance. In some central banks, this percentage rises to as much as 80%. Okay. While these contracts offer flexibility, that's a not a bad thing, right? They can limit a women's career progression contributing to a, the small number of women in managerial positions. Huh. Did they assess what the women really wanted, or they just cherry-picked numbers to support a narrative? I don't know. Child care and related subsidies are also limited, though parental leave and flexible work arrangements are widely offered. Yeah, you wouldn't necessarily need child care if you have flexible work arrangements, right? As far as uh, flexible work hours, parental leave... They plan to extend uh here we go. They plan to extend the coverage of the survey to more central banks in both advanced and developing economies. So, I wonder who or what types of economies were actually surveyed. I wonder if they did this and cherry-picked those where women may prefer traditional roles. If they did that. If they did that. Did they do it to skew the numbers? Yeah. Nothing to see here from the World Economic Forum, is there? Or the IMF. But, you know, these are are international organizations, right? They're not something that's going to happen in the United States, right? Hmm. How about the Department of Defense news? Biden administration overturns transgender exclusion policy from the U.S. Department of Defense. President Joseph R. Biden signed an executive order overturning the previous administration's ban on service of transgender individuals in the military. According to a White House news release, America is stronger at home and around the world when it's inclusive. And the military is no exception. Should, here's a question. Should the U.S. military be used as a social experiment? Should it? Or should his primary mission is to kill the enemy and defend the United States from all threats. Well. Should the United States military defend the defend the citizens of this country from all enemies, both domestic and foreign, or foreign and domestic. Or should it be a social experiment? Now I know some of you will probably come back and want to tell me about how it was has been used as a social experiment for many years going back to the Civil War even maybe even back to the Revolutionary War and during World War Two. now I would argue that point and say that may have been an unintentional consequence of needing the numbers where we're at today same way we're at today we need more numbers when the us military is not making its quota its recruitment quota but i don't think the primary goal before or now should be being a social experiment now when you put a lot of people together unintentionally that may be a social experiment And so be it. But when you try to force things, you create resentment on both sides. You create friction. Not a cohesive military unit. But we know who will get blamed if that's the case in this one. Okay. I digress. Defense Secretary Lloyd J. Austin III hmm, fully supports President Biden's decision. In a written statement, he said that all transgender individuals who wish to serve in the United States military shall be able to do so openly. Secretary insisted the change is not only the right thing to do, but also the smart thing. I don't know is it what about unit cohesion jamming stuff down people's throats is not a way to unit cohesion in this he echoed the White House statement that all volunteer force thrives when it's composed of diverse Americans who can meet the standards I don't know is there a separate standard there are separate standards there were for men and women now, we'll be, there will be separate standards for every... I don't know, infinite amount of genders? I don't know. We'll see what time will tell. And, and... Inclusive military strengthens our national security. I don't... happen to agree with putting women in combat roles. I don't think it's cohesive. Now, there are times when having females attached to certain certain units is of extreme helpfulness. If you're going through a village in a country where the women are not allowed to speak to males It's an honor thing, and um, you need to have females and female interpreters for those women. I get it. But to put a blank check on women in combat MOSs, I have an issue with it. I can't change anything. I'm just telling you. Now, it goes on to say here, in quotes again, the United States Armed Forces are in the business of defending our fellow citizens from our enemies, both foreign and domestic. Austin goes on to say, I believe we accomplish that mission more effectively when we represent all our fellow citizens. I also believe we should avail ourselves of the best possible talent in our population. I agree with that part. Regardless of gender identity. Again, we have got to put unit cohesion ahead of social experiment. We would be rendering ourselves less fit to the task if we excluded from our ranks people who met our standards. I don't think the standards have been fully identified, but okay and who have the skills and devotion to serve in uniform. The devil is always in the details, folks. The secretary told military departments to immediately ensure individuals who identify as transgender are eligible to enter and serve in their self-identified gender. Okay. I... You know again, goes back to unit cohesion. In order, in the order, Biden directed the Defense Secretary and the Secretary of Homeland Security to ensure that all directives, orders, regulations, and policies of the respective departments are consistent with the new order. I wonder where that order actually came down from. Prospective recruits may serve in their self-identified gender. What does that even mean? Does that mean that you've taken medications? Does that mean you've had surgery? That means you're just like one day you feel like you want to do one thing and tomorrow you want to be another thing? The policy also ensures all medically necessary transition-related care authorized by law is available to all service members. I do believe it's now available to also family members as young as seven. The executive order also immediately prohibits involuntary separations Discharges and denials of reenlistment or continuation of service on the basis of gender identity. It also calls for an immediate start to the identification and examination of records of service members who have been involuntarily separated, discharged, or denied reenlistment or continuation of service on the basis of gender identity. It provides for the correction of the military records. Over the next 60 days, it said, I look forward to working with senior civilian and military leaders of the department as we expeditiously develop the appropriate policies and procedures to implement these changes, Austin wrote. It appears that all you have to do is identify one way or another. You don't have to prove anything, right? You don't have to prove that you are a male or a female or whatever. You just have to simply say you are. I mean, that's my understanding. I don't think you have to have a long history of, you know, I don't think you have to establish that you have have a history of identifying one way or another. I think you just have to identify, right? am Am I wrong? That's a pretty important thing, though, right? Don't you think? It's pretty important that you... Your identity, your sexual identity... Excuse me, your gender identity... It's pretty important, I would think. I mean, according to many, it, that's what... Well, at least in large part, defines you, right? You know, kind of like your religion, maybe, defines you. However... It does not appear that the Department of Defense or the Department of Homeland Security have the exact same uh, view when it comes to religious exemptions as they do for gender. Now, this has been made clear. Obviously, this was made well clear to us that religious protections well, They don't rise to the same level. And this was made clear to you during, well, the pandemic, right? With a request for a religious exemption to the COVID-19 vaccination requirement. The Department of Homeland Security.gov said, government-wide policy requires all federal employees as defined in 5 USC 2105 to be vaccinated against COVID-19 with the exceptions only as required by law in certain circumstances federal law may entitle a federal employee not that you can just identify but you have you may let you do this not that it will let you do this as in, like, gender identity. He was a religious objection to the COVID-19 vaccination requirement to an exception from the requirement. In which case, the employees will be required to comply with alternative health and safety protocols. So they're going to segregate you. Unlike if you have a gender identity issue, then you're supposed to be mainstreamed. I'm calling it. Apparently. And now... To be eligible for a possible exception, you must first establish a refusal to be vaccinated is based on a sincere belief that is religious in nature. You have to establish a sincere belief. Do you have to do that with your identity, your gender identity? No. A refusal to to be vaccinated does not qualify for an exception if that, if it is based upon personal preference, concerns about the possible effects of the vaccine, or political opinion. Yeah, political opinion, I thought was also a uh, legal protection, but not really, I guess not. Health concerns, or that wasn't, that's not. Reasonable either, I guess. And neither is wanting to participate in an experiment against your will. I don't know. Department of Defense personnel were told, basically, if you do not get this, you will be fired. And it it will be extremely difficult for you to try and get a religious exemption. They were going to make it extremely difficult. They were trying. They were... They had plans for anybody who claimed a religious exemption to fire you. The Department of Homeland Security is committed to respecting the legal protections of religious liberty. That's not true. In order to request a religious ex- exemption, they ask you to fill out a form and prove that you well, you deserve it, basically. The Department of Then we'll determine whether you're actually, you know, eligible for that religious exception. Because they're going to determine whether or not you are really sincere in your religious convictions. Did you go to church enough? Do you, um, which church do you go to? Is it an accepted church? Is it one that they deem to be an accepted church? Do you have relations with people involved in that church or that religion? How long have you been doing it? You've only been doing it for six months, or have you been doing it for three months, or three years, or three decades? The department may ask for additional information. Heck, they probably might even be able to interview your pastor, or your mom, or whoever. And ask for additional information as needed to determine if you're legally entitled to this exception. In other words, are you really a Christian? Are you really a Muslim? Are you really a Jew? Are you really Hindi? Are you really a Sikh? If so, you have to prove you are. Because they say signing this form constitutes a declaration that the information you provide to the best of your knowledge and ability is true and accurate. And any intentional misrepresentations, or what they interpret to be intentional misrepresentations to the federal government, may result in legal consequences. So now they're threatening you with legal consequences for your religious beliefs, including your termination being fired so you can be arrested, you can be removed from your position, you can be canceled, the only thing this is not saying is that you can be killed. Except for maybe if you took the vaccine. How many of those people have died because of it? Look, after hearing these press briefings from the most, some of the most powerful organizations in the world, you can or should be able to now see, or the people you share this with should now be able to see, how a specific agenda, a narrative, is being implemented under the guise of diversity, equity, and inclusion. Except in, except in this case, when we talked about the religious religious exemptions, and the rights of anyone not part of the protected class. Remember, the devil is in the details. They wrap these narratives in these little pretty boxes, put a little bow on top, and push it out to their corporate media partners. And then on to you. For you to consume, they only want to increase their power and ensure you have decreased power. The system is designed to be self-sustaining and self-perpetuating and it will always be bigger than any one person or any one organization. And remember, if you get out of line, this system will crush you. But that isn't a reason to not fight back. Because resistance is not futile, futile as the Borg said. Resistance is not futile unless you give up. Keep connecting the dots, get prepared, and remember, As always, the content provided here is for informational purposes only and does not constitute medical, financial, legal, or professional advice. We recommend consulting a qualified professional before taking any action on any content related to this podcast or any of the links provided. We do not endorse any candidates or political parties. Additionally, we are not responsible for any incorrect information and ask that you please back check all information and contact us with any and all errors. Remember, If you like this episode, give us a like, subscribe, or follow, and please share this with your friends and family so they, too, can unplug from the mainstream media. Love you all. Have a good night. Pepper Dave's out.